Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the MLSDG Podcast. My name is Spencer Smith. I'm here with Avery Gorin. And guys, we have a ton of stuff in store for you today. After another full weekend of MLS, bunch of games. Avery, just right off the bat, uh, you excited for this week? Excited for this week's show? Always. Yeah, we Action have... Action keeps getting better and better. It, it, it keeps getting better and better. We have some good stuff on that note of better and better. Um, that you guys may have seen on our Facebook or Twitter. If you're not already following us, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MLSDG Podcast. That's the handle. Or on Facebook where you can join 23,000 plus members to discuss soccer. All right there with the people who know the game, who love the game. Avery, we got a lot of questions from people on the page and a lot of people on Twitter hitting us up because we have a really special thing coming on later in the broadcast. Who do we have today? Avery, do you want to introduce that real quick? We have uh, MLS legend and former U.S. national team player, Kyle Beckerman. The Kyle Beckerman, right? I mean, it is probably one of the most distinguished careers of a United States men's national team player. We'll get to all of that a little bit later. We're really excited, really blessed to have him on the show. But overall, this is just an exciting show because we had such a great week of MLS and a bunch of storylines. We're going to go over some of the big moments of the weekend everything from VAR used in the Kansas City game to of course the Adrian Heath versus David Ochoa rivalry that we have brewing in the Midwest um but also we're going to sum it all up today guys with a golden boot conversation we obviously saw Chicharito get the hat trick at home five goals in two games that's just an astounding number for a person who had two goals all of last season is he the real deal? We're going to have that conversation as well as talk about who he's up against later on the show. But Ever, getting us started in the right moment, Kansas City kicked us off Friday night. They hosted Orlando, and this must be the VAR show. We finished in a 1-1 draw, but I think the ref was over at the VAR every couple of minutes, and they always got it right. What do you have to take from this? Yeah, you alluded to it, I think. Uh correct use of VAR is a breath of fresh air. It's something that uh, I think has left a bad taste in a lot of folks' mouth uh, here in the U.S. and abroad who watch the Premier League for what's been you know, frustrating, maybe overuse or incorrect use. But so far in the last couple of seasons that we've had VAR and MLS, uh, I legitimately have no complaints. You're looking at that the first one, uh, Kansas City had a goal called off of the 15th from a rebound on a set piece that was deemed to be offside. Um, then Perea with an equalizer in the 50th, again called off for offside via the AR. And uh, Nani with a goal in the uh, the 80th, the equalizer, that was given, that was confirmed by yep. the AR. So uh, definitely we have different scenarios uh, where you, know, you have either clear and obvious errors or confirming the uh, the ruling on the field, showing the kind of the, the versatility of the tool, and uh, you know, nice to have some confidence in in refereeing for once. <laughs> for once, right? I think a lot of people here is talking about VAR at the beginning, and they're like, "What guys, the game?" But if we're talking about the game of soccer, you've got to understand referees play such a huge part of that. The evolution of the game has put us at a point where we do have the video assistant referee. And that has become crucial, but also hotly debated. And the fact that we were able to see it used in action so much in one game, but used right. And it's not like he was over there for minutes at a time. It was a quick look. They were able to talk to each other through the through that mic and get the call done right and get the game going. 
that's how it needs to be done. I'm excited for it. Overall, not a bad game from either side. Orlando really dominated this one, and that's coming from a guy who, who grew up in Kansas City and likes to see them succeed. But, I mean, you got to credit Busio for Kansas City getting that chippy little goal with the shallow way assist on that little high-press counter. But uh, I think Nani may have stolen the highlight with that back heel half-volley thing that he did to, to level the game late on. Yeah, it's, it's a tale of two halves, right? You know, you look early on, uh, unfortunately, another uh, error from Pulskamp and goal. Luckily, yeah. wasn't punished for that one uh, purely because, uh, you know, Benji Michel can't finish to save his life. Um, <laughs> obviously, Busio with, uh, with a nice one capitalizing off of uh, a defensive error on the Orlando side to score that goal. Um, you know, something to be said for the, the system that Kansas City play, that they do punish those mistakes but definitely did look better and more comfortable when he went back into midfield uh, later on yes. in the game. And it's been curious to see him kind of really play virtually every position in midfield and up top, uh, you know, purely out of necessity, but also figuring out his best position. And, uh, you know, I, I think most people will agree when we say that um, he's probably best as kind of uh, an eight, eight and a half. Yeah, not, not at know, the nine. But he, he hasn't yeah. looked bad, but he yeah, just looks uh, better in the midfield. It's something to be said in terms of him playing as a false nine. We know that his movement is good. He's somebody who can get a goal, um, you know, and, but that probably lends itself best to an attacking midfielder, right? Making yeah. late runs into the box uh, and just being that secondary goal threat. Not, not the guy who's going to, you know play all the balls off of and not the guy who's you know he's not a, a number nine in the traditional sense of you know banging headers in the box and that kind of thing it's just not how he's built as a player no no and that's not a that's not a bad thing you know it's the skill set that he has is able to first of all there's the fact that he's able to play multiple positions is huge but he definitely looks much more comfortable from how he's built to his mindset in the midfield it's going to be really interesting to see how kansas city handled that midfield when they have a healthy Alan Polito, when they have a healthy Johnny Russell, and what kind of that interaction it does, where does Busio fit, especially because it's such a crowded midfield, and Espinosa, as old as he is, is he's the bulldog. He's doing such a great job. Remy Walter's been a great addition, and then, of course, you got Gotti Kinda. So there's just a lot of moving pieces here in this Kansas City. Um, Orlando, though, in my opinion, looked the better side on the road, and that's without Pato, as we know, who's injured, without Mueller starting the game. They were able to take a real good amount of control, but overall, this one does finish 1-1 Friday night as the only game there. As we head into Saturday, though, there's a bunch of games, bunch of controversy that we're going to come over, but starting with one very clear result. NYCFC finished 5-0 over, you want to take a wild guess? I mean, it's, it's not Toronto, even though I, I hate Chris Armas, and I think that it very well could have been that scoreline with Toronto themselves, but... uh. No, FC Cincinnati playing on the road in the baseball field. They concede five goals and all of them from set pieces. How big of a factor does that go in how good Cincinnati is? That all the goals they conceded, none of them were from the run of play. They were all from I'm, set pieces. I mean, look, there's a lot that can be said about this match. Uh, I despise NYCFC at home. <laughs> it's an eyesore and it, it lends themselves to a particular style of soccer that I think is particularly advantageous for the home side. And I think you saw that today. And it, it's it's a better result than 
we should give them credit for. Like you said, five goals is off of set pieces. Obviously, Yapstam will be furious as the head coach and have oh, yeah. their heads for this performance because it is so preventable, and it's something that they're going to work on the training ground on uh, for weeks to come. Um, but look, make no mistake about it. Cincinnati did create chances. I thought Sean Johnson had a great game. This game probably should have ended maybe 5-3. Um, you know, no, no marking on that first goal. Then Cody Cropper absolutely fluffs it on the second one. Yeah. The third one was gorgeous. Uh, that free kick from uh, Thorinson, I think is how oh, he pronounced. Oh, it's such pronounced. a cool name. And then, but then again, uh, on the fourth one, Taki Castellanos is completely unmarked at the far post. Unfortunate for you know Nick Hagelin to get that deflection, but. Yeah. And Jesus Medina got that golasso at the at the end, and you can't really you can't fault when there's those shots that are like. He'll, he'll he'll say it was intentional, but we know it's a cross turn to shot. It's it's just another Randall Leal that we had from last week against Cincinnati. They're just the the victim of the shrosh. So yeah, I but I again, the, none of them are are good goals per se, right? No, I wouldn't say any of them are. They didn't seem well built. They seemed very opportunistic. Might be the right word. A, a little fortunate, but one one thing I want to hear your thoughts about, Avery. This game. Obviously, all the goals from set pieces, but this was Cincinnati without Lucho Acosta. How big did that play a role? Obviously, set piece—I mean, he's a small guy, so the chances he would have made a difference on set pieces isn't big to say. But how much could he have helped in changing the tides and control of this game? I mean, yeah, it does play a factor. I would almost say that the absence of uh, Titan in goal is a bigger loss because mm. I think looking at how Titan organizes his defense and looking his his performance on set pieces i mean titan is not gonna fluff a corner like that no cody cropper won on the second one and you need leadership in the back there obviously lucio costa is a huge loss offensively because we saw they did create chances uh but they didn't finish any of them off so that's definitely a factor but you know with titan in goal maybe that game ends you know three two cincinnati yeah, or something it, it like could that. Been. You know, it's 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 just a completely different game with those guys. Yeah, it could have been really different. It really could have been. It's hard to say. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati, our expectations for them are frankly low from everybody in the league, right? I mean, that's just what they've been historically, and we saw a lot of hope last week with how they did against Nashville. Um, but as we're going to talk about Nashville in a second, I don't want to take away from the result, but a 2-2 draw there and a 5-0 loss on the road, it just raises some big questions because I really want to see them change. I believe it's still possible. I think Lucho Costa, as you mentioned, Titan, I didn't even realize that. That's a big thing. Honestly, Cincinnati, I don't. I wouldn't read too much into the scoreline, um, but I think you do need to read a little bit into that the results are not automatically going to come, right? They're not. You're not going to get blown out 5-0 moving forward. That was just a fluke, we hope. But it's not saying that they're going to win games easily. Again, NYCFC finished this one 5-0 at home in the baseball diamond, right? Um, I hinted at it a second ago, and I promise, guys, we're not going in order. We just picked some games that we want to talk about. And the next one, Nashville-Montreal kicked off just after them. This one finishes in a 2-2 draw. And this one, we really want to focus on Nashville. Because Cincinnati, as I just talked about, played them last week, took an early 2-0 lead. And squandered that to tie it 2-2. Montreal almost does the exact same thing here, right? And Nashville come back again. What is this saying about the Nashville team, though? 
I mean, it's interesting because on the one hand, you're looking at simple mistakes, right? Defensively, Nashville had the reputation of this team that just doesn't concede goals. And you look at the first Montreal goal, you know, they win a header in midfield. It's a really simple pass to Mason Toy, and he just dinks one from the edge of the box. Yeah. Thoroughly preventable goal. Um, and then, you know, Guillard gets really lucky on the oh, deflection on that man. second one. Very. Um, but, you know, we're seeing uh, another site to Nashville in the sense that they have some offensive flair, you know, for them to come back from 2-0 down two matches in a row. And uh, Leal just looks fantastic right now. I mean, he's the danger man for Nashville. That cross for the Cadiz header, uh, his his own on the, on the second one, um, you know, uh, crossing from both sides of uh, the pitch. Honestly, it reminds me of uh, the Galaxy with Zlatan a little bit. Mm. That's interesting. I don't, I don't quite see that comparison, but I do see a big difference from how Nashville were last season, winning games 1-0, to they do have an attack this year. And it's, it's interesting to watch because last year we know that they had Mukhtar and Leo, but it never really worked. There was glimpses of it. And a few games where they were, like, in control, if you think about, like, the Miami playoff game. But, albeit, outside of that, they were 1-0 wins, fluky goals, or a Zimmerman set piece. And uh, this season is going to be interesting. Now, it does look like there's maybe some questions about the back. Conceding four goals in two games is uncharacteristic for Nashville. Um, and especially when you're considering that they played Cincinnati and Montreal both at home both games that you would think you can get three points from, they get two points from. I don't want to say that's indicative of the season, but it's just something to keep your eye on. Um, moving forward, for somebody that we say is a solid, albeit maybe not a home playoff team, but a solid competitor to get one of those playoff spots, not how you want to start the season, right? I mean, on the positive side, you look at this team overall, right? Gary Smith is an incredibly... Um, yeah, well-known and experienced MLS coach. We saw what he did with Colorado and winning the MLS Cup, uh, you know, 12 years ago at this point. And they have the pieces to make some adjustments, whether it's, you know, throwing in Eric Miller at right back to make the defensive tweaks and, and fix things at the back. So, Yeah. Well, I'll be, we're going to find out moving forward how they're going to do. 2-2 two, two is the final score there. Um, one game that I don't think anybody understood was going to be the final score at least this big and to have us have such a young star and Cade Cowell with San Jose winning 3-1 over Dallas and I get they're at home and I get that they uh they're obviously more comfortable there they're excited at the beginning of the season but I don't think anybody expected a 3-1 result which very easily could have been 4-1 there was a saved penalty um but what do you got to make of this one Cade Cowell with a goal and an assist yeah, I mean, gorgeous ball from him on the first one, and then really well taken on the uh, on the second. Uh, have to give credit to Dallas in a couple different respects. Jimmy Marr does great to save that first penalty. Obviously, Tanner Tessman is unfortunate to concede yeah. the second one, but uh, early on they you know had some great pressure. They forced uh, Marcinkowski to make a, a mistake, mm -hmm. and then just a gorgeous interplay on uh, the one goal that they did score. And ended up being a uh, Ricardo Pepe tap in. The ideas are there, the style of play is there, but it's just it's not the finished product at this point. Yeah, I think this game, I don't know, because because you're, you're right, it's not the finished product, and I would say not the finished product on either side. 
right? Um, because, I mean, FC Dallas, we know that they had all of the questions. Of course, like you mentioned, they got the Pepe goal. But uh, defensively, they looked out of sorts and not something that we're used to, especially having, all, some may say, the best back line in, in, in the league at times. And it just hasn't been there. And against a, a San Jose that are man-marking, um, one thing I want to point out here, Okay, and I gotta eat. I gotta eat my my own stuff because I told people when we did the fantasy show that you should get Kate Cowell and start him, and I took him and I benched him, and thankfully we had Blaine on the show, and I did a switcheroo, so I still got the points. But one thing I want you to notice as I turn a little bit to San Jose, look at Cade Cowell's goal and an assist. His assist, beautiful, beautiful pass right through like four or five people, forty yards to Christian Espinosa. Really great right-footed effort. His goal weaves through three defenders in the box, slots at home with his left foot. And I don't think that we've had a 17-year-old be able to do that in MLS from a starting position as far as I can remember, and he's barely 17. I mean, the guy turned 16 just a, month, a few months ago, maybe. And so that's just a huge prospect, prospect moving forward for San Jose, something to really build upon here for San Jose. With this being said, I think as great as San Jose are, we got to look down the coast a little bit. LAFC hosted Seattle 1-1. There's not much to make of this, in my opinion. We put it in here because we said this was going to be the fireworks one. But uh, both sides really shorthanded early on in the season. Obviously, no Vela, no Rossi, no Morris, no Ladero. But uh, still a few punches in there. Yeah, I mean, you have to give props to LAFC. I do think they have the better chances. It is a reasonable result at home. Uh, and they've shown that, uh, you know, Moskovitsky and Baird are guys that they brought in to fit a system to do a job. And they're doing exactly that. You know, I understand there's no Rossi. I understand that there's no Villa. Uh, but they're still managing results without them. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're managing results. And honestly, at this point of the season, results are are just critical. You don't want to get off on the wrong foot. You don't want to bring Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi back healthy when you are down 15 points in the standing and have a negative 20 goal differential, right? They're not going to be able to be of use then. But if you can grind out results, albeit a draw at home, yeah, it's not terrible considering the circumstances. You'd want more, but they're not digging themselves a hole that's going to be impossible to dig out of. They grab a point from Seattle. 1-1 final score there. Both teams leaving with a point. Avery. This game, I know, has a special place in your heart in the city of brotherly love. Your Philadelphia Union lost to the Higuain brothers, right? Federico and Gonzalo. I mean, it's it's a tough one, right? Because uh, arguably, I think that the Union had the better of the chances, particularly off of set pieces. Um, some uncharacteristic defensive mistakes, you know, glessness in the 18th, that doesn't get capitalized by Robbie Robinson, but then, you know, conceding the set piece that leads to the the first Iguain goal and then just poor, poor marking coming from the cross on that second one. They look tired. Yeah. You know, Jim Curtin hasn't rotated virtually at all uh, between CCL and the league matches. I understand it's a little bit of a challenge. Almost the entire front line was injured, and this team overall is very young. A lot of you know promising homegrown players, but um, it's a disappointing result to lose a game like that at home, where arguably they were the better side. Yeah, I I think uh, well, first of all, I want to take one quick moment here, and I know Phil Philly's tired, and there's a storyline there, and and good luck to them in Concacaf as they play Atlanta this this week. 
Um, the Higuain brothers, as it's been reported out of Argentina, lost their mother to cancer just yesterday. Um, so our hearts go out to them. One really special thing was this is the last game that their their mom saw and was able to see both of their their son, her son score, which is just kind of one of those poetic stories that soccer seems to write itself from time to time. So being able to see the two brothers and the city of love and the city of brotherly love um, kind of give that that respect to their their mom is just a really special thing. Um, especially considering the history, albeit as weird as it may be, that particular Gonzalo has with Philadelphia, if you think back to last season with the missed penalty and, and how that went down. So I get Philadelphia is tired. The, the Higuain brothers, great showcase this week. Can they do it every single week? I don't know. Uh, they're both older, um, but both clearly have stuff to prove. Uh, Phil Neville will be ready for it. Um, Honestly, Miami, keep your heads up, but uh, keep them looking forward, right? You don't want to get this one over your head. This one finishes 2-1 Miami on the road, stealing the three points from the Supporter Shield reigning champions, the Philadelphia Union. Now, Ivory, we got two more games that I want to highlight here with you. Um, and this one, I think, is, a, is perhaps a really big one for our Austin FC fans. They get their first three goals, first three points. They win on the road at the Colorado Rapids. 3-1. What do you make of this? I have to apologize first and foremost. I asked questions of Austin when they picked uh, Jared Stroud in the expansion draft. And through two games, frankly, I think he looks probably their most creative player. Yep. I, I, would, Rapids, I would agree. Rapids did well to get a goal off a set piece, but otherwise uh, something isn't quite clicking with that team quite yet. No. Uh, you know, I... I want to point out the fact that it seems like they're taking a lot of low percentage shots. You know, mm. you're seeing shots from outside of the box. You're seeing Barrios trying, you know, hit one from the corner and really awkward angles. Uh, you know, maybe they just need more time for the new pieces to gel. They are missing a couple leaders, particularly Lyle Sabubakar at the back there. But, um, you know, if they, if they don't get it together, it could be a rough season for Colorado. Yeah. On the, the plus side, though, we have to give credit to Austin. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that Cecilio Dominguez really looks like a, a nice player who's going to thrive in this league. I mean, looks great on set pieces, just does a great job to find the game, you know, two nicely taken goals. And Diego Fagundes with the second life in Austin, right? You know, just oh, yeah. you know, floats to that far post on that on that first goal. He could be a really important asset for Austin in that midfield, just with a little bit more freedom and a little bit, you know, less stress in an Austin team that has the creative pieces where he doesn't have to be the mean guy. Yeah, no, and I think Diego Fagundes was looking for a way out. If I'm being honest, he was he was done with the New England Revolution. They had back and forth for a season or two, honestly, and so being able to see him get, as you mentioned, the second life is invigorating. It's exciting. You want to see him succeed. I think it back to years ago because he's been in the league for a long time for such a young player um, to how big of a prospect he was. Was he going to go to the United States or was he going to go to Uruguay, if I remember correctly? And and uh, him able to get this start for Austin, obviously he got he got that first goal there. Huge for him. Uh, Cecilia Domingos does look the real deal. Abubakar, you need to get ready for uh, Colorado, man. They really miss you. It's important to note that when he's on the field compared to when he's not, there's a difference of a goal a game. 
So he really is such a big difference along that back line. This one finishes 3-1. Austin grabbing all three points on the road at the Rapids. And Avery, we're getting closer and closer to Beckerman. So I thought it would be appropriate to talk about the team that he he loved for such a long time. The, the jersey that I'm wearing right now. I know listeners can't see it. RSL, open the week up. We didn't get to talk about you guys last week because you didn't play. That's just how the cards fell. This week... 2-1 to one over Minnesota. They get the win on the road at, at Minnesota with two counter goals, but that's not even the story here. Yeah, I mean, look, David Ochoa with some, we'll call it maybe immature antics, uh, kicking the ball at the, uh, you know, the, the Minnesota supporters there. A lot is going to be made of it. Uh, you know, a, a frustrating moment for, uh, you know, a, a guy who was abused throughout that game. And obviously, Adrian, he's playing it up. But uh, focusing on the positives, though, uh, because I'm sure Minnesota are going to play it up as much as they can and feed into whatever story Adrian Heath wants to spin to, you know, get his players pumped up and make another Western Conference run. Oh, yeah. Uh, you talked about it before. Pablo Ruiz terrific vision from yeah. midfield i mean just picking out absolute blasts of, of passes and uh you know new men julio really looks a, a danger man particularly over the top with that pace and uh rubio rubin a nice complimentary piece to that attack uh rsl could be a, a really fun team to watch this season honestly I think nobody, even within Salt Lake, maybe had the highest hopes. And I'm not saying this is turn around and saying RSL is going to win MLS Cup. Guys, you're still going to be lucky to make the playoffs with how deep the West is. But this was fun to watch. And you're right. And Julio, he's got the pace up top. And Ruben, two assists in his first game. Julio with two goals in his first game. And they're still getting Bobby Wood on top of this. It's a Bobby Wood who has something to prove, I want to know who has that relationship with Demir Krylock, that could be a big addition to come in in the next couple of weeks because we know that he did terminate his contract early to be able to join MLS here soon. RSL definitely took it to Minnesota. Now, they absorbed pressure a lot. Justin Glad, I think, does a really well job at being able to kind of be a stable force at the back for Ochoa. Who's, this is his first career MLS win. His first on the road for MLS. I mean, he only has the other cap... Uh, for the for the youth national team, but the one where they played Kansas City at home last season. And so kind of being able to have that person in front of him was huge. Um, he didn't have to face many shots. I get Minnesota, you're going to say you were robbed, but Minnesota put two shots, I believe, on target. You can say all you want about how much better they were than RSL. The final third is not adding up for Minnesota right now. Two shots on goal compared to RSL, who had less possession, but I think they had four or five shots on goal. Not a ton better, but they finished two of theirs, right? And so I think uh, moving forward, they play in a couple of weeks. This is going to be a very fun one to watch when they meet again at Rio Tinto, and I'm going to come back to it. David Ochoa kicking the ball into the stand. If you watch it, it I saw somebody call, by the way, on one of our pages for a five-game ban for what he did. That's outrageous. That's just, that's outrageous, right? And I get that there's a there's a fine line between involving the fans and whatnot. But guys, Kaku for New York Red Bulls drilled a guy in the face, what a ball boy in the face from 5, 10 yards away, got a three-game suspension. This 
looping ball. It was his first win on the road. Young guy. Yeah, immature. Disrespectful. But he's setting himself to be up a villain in MLS and a villain that we haven't seen since the likes of think like Steven Lenhart, right? We haven't had a true villain in MLS for a while. Perhaps you could say a Zlatan or, or some people say Althador. He's not even really a villain, but this just, uh, it's kind of a nice to see as weird as it may be yet to see if there's any disciplinary counsel there, but this is a very fun one for RSL as they finish up on the road 2-1 over Minnesota as they head to their home opener at the Riot where they host Sporting Kansas City. All right, everybody, as we hinted earlier on in the show today, we have a very special guest joining us. Many of you guys may be familiar with him. Kyle Beckerman is going to be joining our show today. For those of you who somehow found this podcast and don't know who he is, just a little bit about him. He has played uh, up until this season over 20 seasons in Major League Soccer. He has over 50 caps with the United States men's national team, including the 2014 World Cup, and 498 caps, all-time leading field player for Major League Soccer. And he's here with us today. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for joining us. We're This is such a cool experience for me personally. I've grown up being a big fan of you. Obviously, I'm wearing the RSL thing here. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got a weird history going from uh, living in Missouri to uh, to Utah right during the 2013 MLS Cup. Ooh. So yeah. I know you've got strong feelings about that, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're grateful to have you here. And we want to talk to you a little bit about a lot of things. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to put, be honest, uh, you have such a distinguished career and we know that you just retired a few months ago. You've taken a head coaching position at uh, Utah Valley University that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But uh, one of the questions that we got uh, as we kind of talked to some of the people who've joined into this podcast um, is Amelia here asked just what one of your favorite moments of your career is, right? Just in mm. general. I know it's such a big distinguished career, but what is one question, uh, one, one moment, excuse me, that you can take from your career as a favorite? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's been so many awesome moments with wins and um even even the tough losses you know those you remember those as well and you learn something um but I, I guess for sure I think winning the first game in the world cup in 2014 against Ghana um was kind of a a moment for me that was just um it just I don't know if it was relief or it was just because you're constantly telling yourself you can play at this level you can do this you can do this but you don't really know until you do yeah. and uh so that was kind of where a moment where I, all the times telling myself in my head that I can do this. And then finally we did it. Like I, we won, we, we won, like we're at the world cup. We, we had a game against another team and, and we got it done. And just to be a part of that was kind of um, just a moment that I always remember and just kind of, just kind of validated all the hard work and all that I put in and, um, and telling myself you can do this. And then to finally, you know, have something to actually show. Yeah, you did. So I would put that up there as, as a top moment for sure. Fe featuring in a World Cup, pretty good. I mean, you know, right? It's not something that everybody has on their resume. So that's just, <laughs> I mean, I remember where I was during that game. Obviously, that that late winner. It's just mm -hmm. such a historic World Cup. Obviously, we didn't qualify for the last cycle. And while I didn't have this question in here, um, I want to get your thoughts as we're talking about your experience with the national team, right? 
what do you make of the current state in the national team? Obviously, we saw Pulisic start today um, in the Champions League semifinal, grab a goal, a huge away goal them for them. Um, but just a great upbringing of young players. As a veteran of that team and as a veteran of MLS, where a lot of those guys are getting their roots from, what is your takeaway of the future and the direction of the men's national team? Yeah, I mean, the future is really bright. I mean, it, it's it's just unbelievable how quickly we went from, you know, we had quite a few guys in Europe, some playing some Champions League, you know, sprinkled in, to now we got guys on the, some of the top teams in the world in every country. It's it's so cool to see. Um, I mean, seeing Pulisic score today and, and be a main man, being the number 10 on his jersey, it's uh, it's so cool to see. And then McKinnon over at Juventus. And, um, yeah, it's it's bright future. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, hopefully we take care of business, which I expect we will in qualifying um, with this group. And then, yeah, it's going to be crazy. I mean, come once you get guys, you know, where they're playing now, the expectation is going to go higher. And, you know, the pressure comes with expectation. But these guys are going to be used to it. And, um, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be really fun to see these next couple of years, uh, these guys, I mean, cause they're so young as well. So they're gaining all this experience and becoming, you know, really important parts of their, their teams. And that's just going to, when, when they continue getting comfortable at that at Chelsea at Juventus, and then now getting more comfortable with the national team, it's just going to, you're going to show in their play and the dominance that they're going to start to show. And, um, it, it's going to be really cool to see I, I'm waiting for the moment when we start going head to head with some of the top countries in oh, the yeah. world. And, you know, we can be the, da- the the dominant team. And, you know, I think it's coming soon. And, and the more guys, you know, that these guys, these young guys are coming up quick and they're going to be pushing Pulisic and McKinnon soon, the even younger yeah. guys. So it, we're in a really good time. And, and now we just got to wait and, and watch uh, these guys materialize. Yeah, I, I think I couldn't said it better myself, right? It's, it's going to put itself together. And that's just an exciting mm-hmm. time right now for the national team. And, and kind of speaking of like putting those things together, right before you hopped on, we broke down RSL playing Minnesota this last week, and I'm sure you're aware. The mm-hmm. 2-1 result on the road, huge thing. Uh, Avery was wanting to talk a little bit about just what that means. Avery, do you want to elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking of the future, it's a perfect segue. You know, Obviously, RSL with the great win this past weekend. Uh, coming from from your perspective as as you know, you know former RSL captain, uh, what are you most excited about uh, in terms of RSL this season? Um, yeah, I mean uh, the boys are going to be you know fighting with everything they got, no doubt. Um, it's a great start to the season, um, you know, on the road, get a win, um, and and these guys. I mean, a big thing I think we have going for us is that this group. Most of the group's been together for quite a while now. I mean, there's there's quite a few guys that you could say there there's a core there that's been there for three, four, five years with Demir, Albert, uh, Marcelo, Glad, Aaron Herrera. Like these are yeah. these guys have been together for quite a while, and and that's usually the you know that that's a really important piece for a good team and consistency is having a core together. Um, you look at teams that constantly have a, a ton of turnover each year it's it's tough it's just you don't see much success when you're just bringing in a bunch of new players and boom putting them out and then they get success it does just doesn't happen so especially for us as well in rsl you're gonna have to have that core and it's got to be solid and i think there is a solid core there so um you know off to a good start 
and we just got to stay steady, got to stay yeah. steady, keep improving. Um, we can't look at this win, you know, win a huge game on Wednesday, on Saturday in Minnesota and then drop our play this weekend at home. So it's got to stay consistent, which I know these boys will be working their tails off. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a long season like they always yeah. are. And the biggest thing will be, you know, hopefully we can stay healthy, um, This that especially the core stay healthy. Um, the new guys continue. I mean, Rubio and and um, and Anderson, you know, they were incredible oh, yeah. this last game. So that could be a huge piece to help. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see. But I think the core is there for for a steady season. Um, and and it's just about now getting informed, getting guys scoring goals on a regular basis, consistent basis, and just keeping the the energy and keeping the fight. And then um, you just get that if you can get some wins going quickly. It can become contagious, just like losing can, like we saw last year, you know. So it'll be important to keep keep the boys steady and just keep working, keep working no matter what the result is. And we'll be all right. And we should be competitive all year, which I think we will. And um, and then we all know once you get the playoffs, then it's about, you know, kind of who's the hottest team. So um, but we got a long ways to go and they just got to stay, stay at it and, yeah. and stay humble and, and, and stay keep trying to improve every day. But it, it's a good start for sure. Yeah, you don't want to read too much into just one game itself. But it's considering where we were last season, and obviously there's a lot of turmoil in the front office and all these off-season things going on. But they came to the field, they played, they performed. We want to see that week in, week out. One thing that I'm really interested to hear from you, um, what is some underrated RSL player that you, you've played with? Because you've played with these guys. You see the talent and you know talent. Mm-hmm. Who is an underrated RSL player that fans of the league need to know now because their future is just bright? Yeah, I would say Aaron Herrera. Um, and I know he is getting some, you know, some press. People are starting to hear, but I think he's still underrated in the national team, the, fir- the full mm-hmm. team. I think he's up there with ev- everyone we have in the national team. Cool. Um, for me, he's his, his, his physique, he's super fit. He's a, he's a tough, he's a good defender. He's also an attacking defender. Um, and I think he can play numerous positions. I think he can play on the left, on the right. Um, I think there's even possibility to play him other places as well. Um, but for me, that's the guy I think is ready to step in with the national team. And if he gets, a, you know, he gets a fair look um, and, you know, really is given a shot, I think that there will be a coach very soon in the national team that's going to really – pick him and because he's a guy for me he can be one of your first guys on the team sheet every yeah. game you know he's somebody you can rely on he's somebody who's going to be ready to go he's going to be fit um so that's my guy right there is aaron i think the, the sky's the limit for him and i hope we keep on to him and he helps you know bring a championship here because he's he's um he's something special i think yeah i have to agree with you i love watching aaron herrera he's one of my favorite players when i go watch uh, the riot, right? So uh, we got we got one thing. Avery had a great question that I really like because your experience in the league, like we talked about, over 20 years, it's just so deep. Avery, you had a question kind of off of that that I thought was just brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms of obviously you've been someone who's been in the league virtually since its inception and, you know, seen every adaptation, every evolution. I mean, what do you make of the, the growth overall, particularly in the last, you know, 10 to 12 years? Yeah, it's it's been amazing. It's like, yeah, it seems, it, for me, it seems like every time a new franchise comes in, it just, the league bumps up a little bit because the, 
the fans, the fan base, no team is coming in without an energized fan base ready to rock season tickets, a new stadium being ready or a football stadium ready to pack out. So, yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. Even the last five years, the last 10 years, it just keeps, it's a steep uh, incline and uh, it's just so cool to see. And every team that comes in new is coming, they're coming to play. They're coming with big bucks there and it's just like so now these arms races now another team gets in the arms race and they want to spend the same money and they want to do everything they can and then another team comes in and then now it picks the old teams that have been spending a ton well they better pick up their spending because it's it's happening so it's really cool to see how big the league is is grown and it just i mean when you look around the world there's not many leagues around the world where you have you know a bunch of teams spending a similar amount of money and the you know, from top to bottom is fairly still, it is still fairly close. You know, the we see the last place team beat the first place team year in, year out. Um, so I think the, the future of the league is, is really bright. Um, and it's just going to continue. I mean, we got a couple teams coming in next year. I mean, we saw what Austin did this year, uh, Miami. Um, I imagine when the fans come back even more, it's just yeah. going to be, it's kind of uptick it, and then always what happens is, whenever we have a World Cup, it goes, it goes a little more for like not just MLS, like the whole soccer popularity gets a big boost, and then it kind of gets back to its. But it's always improving. It's always yeah. steadily incli- uh, inclining, and yeah, it, I think I don't know when, but at some point, I truly believe it'll be one of the top five leagues in the world. It, it's heading that direction in, in a lot of regards, just from growth, the quality of the play as well is something that you just see week in, week out, get better. You're seeing players come in their primes from Europe over here, and it's no coincidence that it is just the growth of the league is going in the right direction. And I think you hit yeah. on the head there with the World Cup. We got a World Cup next year, but also four years after that, we're hosting yeah. a World Cup. It's just the sky's the limit for the direction Major League Soccer is going. It's just huge for the United States in general, and I know... For you yourself, as you're continuing to explore the game and, and whatnot, you've gotten into coaching, as we kind of want to talk a little bit about that decision right there. You were just named uh, UVU or Utah Valley University's uh, men's head coach for the soccer team there, the soccer program. What kind of made you decide to go into coaching, decide with UVU? And, and for those UVU listeners out there, what's kind of a plug that you may have to get them to come watch games because I know I, I live in the area. I'm going to be there. You have me sold already. But All for right. those people who may not know that we even have a team, what's some things that you want to talk about with there? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I was kind of really I, – I had no plans of really working. or um, So I was kind of just relaxing and, and you know, just being retired. And um, – but I think coaching and teaching is in my blood. My parents were both school teachers. My brother is the current wrestling coach at Brown University in Rhode Island. Mm. So it's kind of in my blood already. And, you know, I've been through my years, of, you know, I've trained kids, I've done camps. So I've had like a little taste of, of coaching. And I think in my kind of in the last five years or so, some of my friends become coaches and now you start to see the game differently. Their conversations are different because now they're seeing the game different. So then you start seeing seeing the game as, as a coach, not only as a player. And um, so I was just kind of, you know, just seeing what happens this year. And if nothing happens, that's fine, too. And uh, 
But then I had this opportunity with UVU and um, I just kept looking into it. I kept researching and meeting with the athletic director. I met with the president and every time, you know, all my questions got answered the correct way and everything I wanted to hear was came back what I wanted to hear. And, and so the, the more and more I looked at it, it was a no brainer. I had to take this opportunity and, and I just look at it as, as I got a ton of support from the president, from the athletic director, which I feel is, is you have to have. And once I, I felt that support, then I, I went for it. And I'm so, so excited to get working with these guys. Um, it's, uh, it's been quick, you know, we got right to work, um, kind of ended last season, um, to get ready for next season. And, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, the stadium, we're like top 15, um, with the, uh, fans at our crowd attendance at our games already, which is, you know, not a lot of yeah. people know. Um, so yeah, we're going to look to try and make it a little, you know, mini Rio Tinto down there and, and create a fortress that, you know, we, yeah. it's going to be really hard to come out of there without an L and, um, yeah, all the fans, the better we're, we're, I'm really going to try and, you know, put a winning product out there that, that, uh, all the fans can be proud of and performances they can get behind. And, you know, if we feel like we can get the performances where we want them to be, then the results will follow. hundred percent. hundred percent. I'm excited to have you at UVU. Obviously that's my school trading the Claret and Cobalt for the green and white of Orem, right? It's a, it's a yep. huge step for the university, huge step in your professional career, moving on from the game of soccer itself. We really appreciate you coming on to the show today. And for everybody who is in the territory, UVU territory, be sure to go to those games. You're going to find Beckerman there, but you're going to find some real talented guys on the field to perform week in and week out as we represent UVU. Kyle, thanks so much for being on the show with us. We yeah, you it. bet. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Dude, that was dope. That was dope. <laughs> that was so dope. <laughs> I'm, I'm not editing this part out. Everybody, you're getting our honest reactions right now. That was dope. I don't think anybody expected us a few weeks ago to be able to uh, have such like a quality guy here. That's really what it was. He just a down to earth guy, but you're, you're seeing what you're gonna get at, out of him as a coach. But also, we learned a bunch of him as a player, and it was really cool to kind of have that intimate setting, setting to, to learn some of that stuff. It's just super cool. I. I can't put it any better. I got this smile on my face. It's a dopey smile. I've been looking forward to it all week. But uh, Avery, like, just let's kind of talk about that for a second. That was just super cool. He answered yeah, a lot of our questions. Really interesting to hear his perspective. I think, especially, uh, I I didn't expect that answer in terms of uh, who he thought was an underrated player in uh, in RSL. I I got to be honest. I think maybe it's my bias of having watched so much of the league and having watched so much of the, the youth national teams, Aaron Herrera is like a known product to me, you know? Yeah. But I think what he was, what he answered there is underappreciated. And I would agree with that. I think when we look at, and I would agree that he did mention that he's starting to get attention and he has, but Beckerman pointed out there that like, this should be a first name on the team sheet and maybe not for the national team at this exact moment when you've got a Serginho Dest, right? Who's, starting for Barcelona at right back, but he hit on the versatility of Herrera when you come to tournaments and those big games. Not only is that huge, but also he is solid at every one of those positions. So maybe not necessarily underrated, but underappreciated. I love that answer. And, and in addition to what I loved, I really, I really enjoyed just hearing him. And 
And I know everybody else wasn't able to see it, but you could see the smile come across his face when he talked about the World Cup and that moment being able to get a win against Ghana. That was just, you could see it. I, I should have mentioned it, but that was really notable for me as well because I think back to that. I was actually at Firefly Music Festival with tens of thousands of people all huddled around a bunch of TV screens watching those um, World Cup games. I don't know if we... I don't know if the, I saw the Ghana one there, but particularly the the game against Portugal. Um, oh, yeah. Just hundreds of, of people chanting for Michael Bradley and, you know, F you Ronaldo. <laughs> just like the atmosphere was completely electric. And the way that this country lights up during a World Cup is just, it's so special. And I think we're going to see that even more so once we get to host in 2026. Yeah, we didn't have planned to ask him about like the direction of the national team, but it felt really natural. And it was really cool to see that he saw that same progression. Like he's just like, look, like, and you hit it right there. World Cup, boom, everybody's interest goes up. Now look at this. We are continuing to grow young guys. So these guys are ones that like when these guys come around in four years and everybody in the country gets together and they start knowing the names Pulisic or McKenney, it's like, oh, this is cool. But guess what? In four more years, those guys are still there, right? So when they come back, because you know inevitably we're going to get people to cycle in and out, but now they have somebody to root for and somebody who has been proven at the international level. It's just an incredibly exciting opportunity and direction that the national team is going that I loved his insight there. I loved his excitement talking about it. You could see it on his face. You could hear it in his voice. It's a true belief that he has in the direction of the national team and and in the direction of RSL. We kind of talk a little bit about that and the league. But what, when we asked him about the uh, about those, about the team in the league, what did you notice there that, that kind of caught your attention? Yeah, I think he made a really good point in terms of the guys pushing our current crop. I mean, we think about it and we look at some of the guys who are still kind of coming through. Uh, Uli uh, Yanez, maybe uh, Johan Gomez, who's at Porto right now, or a Conrad De La Fuente. There are guys who are going to be kind of coming into it in a couple of years' time when we come to host, when guys like Pulisic and the like are veterans already. Yeah. And so to have such a, a crop of guys so quickly be pushed by yet another group of incredibly talented players. I mean, you well, couldn't ask for a better situation. Uh, I, I loved his answer with respect to the growth of the league, though. I, I think one of the things that a lot of people don't think about is how the new teams push the existing teams. Yeah. Obviously, expansion is a huge thing. I have my eye on Charlotte in particular in terms of mm-hmm. uh, you know, a team in a, in a big market, a team in a market with a lot of soccer history, and a team with an NFL owner who you know is probably going to spend big money. Yep. And, you know, we saw it with some of these teams in recent years. Look, LA Galaxy had a couple of really bad years. Now they're back at it, you know, buying notable guys and, and pushing to, to be back where they were. Um, it's it's this cycle of, you know, expansion and, and growth and um, just all that excitement that comes with it being such a an even league, you know, he talked about it. The bottom team can, can beat the top team any day of the week kind of thing. It's one of those elements that I think that people from abroad appreciate about our league is the fact that you have that parity, right? Yeah. 
No, I I agree. I think that that's that insight that he gave is just huge because the evolution league. I don't think of that stuff initially. I think of like the style of play more. But he he recognized that like the style of play is directly impacted by the fact that these new teams they have the money to bring in guys that are going to push the level of competition for the whole league. And especially the young guys, the academies, they're getting deeper, richer, more refined. And it's an exciting growth. He talked about it with RSL that one of the things was the direction that it was going was still like the chemistry, but how that was going to be tested throughout the season. And he's like, look, like it was a great first win. We need to keep that up because look, these other teams are continually getting better. We are getting better too, but he credited RSLs to like the chemistry because we know RSL is a small market club. We know that they aren't going to be spending the money that perhaps an LA Galaxy or an Atlanta United is. But he's saying we're still bringing in guys that are being pushed to the same level week in and week out as every other team in the league. But our chemistry is going to be able to help us because I, I didn't realize it until he said it, but it's true. When you look at some of these teams that are formed, yeah, these new expansion teams are brand new teams, all the money, great players, but the cohesion and the chemistry sometimes isn't always going. And so RSL do have that to their advantage, that they understand the league, they've got the creativity, and they are getting pushed week in, week out. Um, it was just super I, cool. I did, yeah, I, don't, I didn't think about that continuity at all because I think we talk about RSL so much as a young team who's you know either bringing in you know now we have talents like Julio from South America yeah. or the the mass amounts of, of homegrown guys that they're coming through but you look at the core of the squad uh, it, you know a Justin Glad uh, Dimir Kralik and Albert Rusnak uh, those guys have been there for multiple years those guys are the guys that you're expecting to be your leaders and your top performers uh you know, that's the, t- the guys that you build a team around ultimately. Yeah, no, 100%. Those are the ones you build the team around. And if anybody's going to know that, it's going to be the guy who was the captain of the team for the past, what, 12, 13 years, right? He, he knows it. He understands the game. It was such a special experience. Just, I know he's not here anymore, but a special shout out and gratitude for him. Wish him all the best as he goes into coaching at UVU. And again, I'm biased. I go to school there. Um, if you're around there, go check it out. Be a part of it. It's the it's the den. We got to protect it. But I think he's going to do great things coaching, and I do expect him to still play a big role, especially since he's in the community with UVU, uh, one of the bigger universities here, expecting his influence to continue at Real Salt Lake. Great things. Great things said. Great future for him, and a great future for the league. Okay, I know this is, isn't the most perhaps natural transition, but one of the things that Beckerman talked about to perhaps ease us into that was how the league is always growing in the talent that is there and how these guys are performing week in, week out at such a high level that it's pushing everyone around them. And we want to end the show with kind of that little bit. We wanted, we're going to break down the New York and LA, but we're going to focus on Chincharito. And guys, the real question is he's being tested by the fact that, yeah, he's, he's no longer going against, because back in the day, the Golden Boot leader was really one or two guys there's probably a good seven, eight guys that can really compete for this golden boot. So we're going to kind of break it down. Ivory, though, we saw a 3-2 finish in South California, Southern California. What about that game stood out to you as they play the New York Red Bulls on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, th- this team is set up to give Chicharito chances at this point in time. We talked about it last season 
in terms of him lacking in service. And it seems to be the exact opposite this season. I mean, you look at the first goal, Chicharito catches up to a bad opportunistic cross, whatever you want to call it, from Ethan Zubak. And, and, you know, just gets on the end of that to put it in the back of the net. Some good pressing to force a bad turnover from Velo on there. From the Red Bull perspective, you know, again, bad turnover defensively from the Galaxy uh, to Brian White. And Andrew Goodman is somehow the Red Bull's best attacking player through two games. That's uh, true. <laughs> but, you know, Red Bulls are creating chances off of the turnover, which is what they wanted to see from that system, that pressing, you know, four four two diamond, whatever you want to call it. But again, going back to the Galaxy, second goal, just absolutely on a platter for Chicharito. Yep. Have to give credit to him, terrific control. Uh, and again, we have a case of VR, VAR getting the, uh, the decision right, yep. which is great to see. Um, you know, maybe some concerns in midfield for the Galaxy. I don't know whether to to put that on, uh, you know, the young homegrown Adam Saldana, uh, but there does seem to be, you know, they're, yeah, they're but scoring also, goals in, in Chicharito's. But also Leggett is gone. And so I think that's one thing to consider with the midfield. I want to I want to yeah, stop yeah. you there and make sure. Yeah, definitely that. a factor. But I think from a defensive perspective, look, they're creating chances Chicharito is scoring at will, but you also have to look at the fact yeah. what it's four goals conceded in two games. I mean... Yeah, that's true. You're not going to be able to win every game 3-2. So it's definitely a factor that they have to, to look at with the, the style of play maybe as well. Um, def- I, defensively on set pieces, I mean, the Bond is in just absolute no man's land. And then a five foot nine Christian Caceres beats both Galaxy center backs on a header. Yeah, but he he did it. He did it. Did I mean, it. it's a terrific goal, but it's just totally preventable, right? Yeah. Um, you would expect more. You know, and this whole situation with Daniel Royer on, on the Red Bulls looks like they're going to trade him to a Western Conference team. Had probably some of the best chances from a, a New York perspective attacking-wise. Um, and look, we saw it with the U23s. Julian Araujo looks great going forward. Total liability. Real liability. Yeah. It's... I. I want everybody has this hype around Araujo, but the mistakes are so consistent and they're so obvious that it's just something that, yeah, he can bring something going forward. But when you're considering from a national team perspective, perspective, which we're not going to get into much, it's just a heavy thing to be considered. One thing I want to point out, talking about those young guys is actually looking at the Red Bulls. We talked about Clark as being at such a big factor for the Red Bulls. But we also pointed out he's not going to be able to carry a team. He's not to that point. And the one thing that I really actually liked is I felt like once Frankie Amaya came into the game and subbed in, there was a, like kind of a new life. And I get that that's because he's got something to prove. But I really think that this, it's a boom or bust for New York, if I'm being completely honest. You're going young. You're trading Royer, likely, which is arguably your best offensive creator and he showed that in the game he's heard the rumors and he came in and was just like why are you getting rid of me but they are clearly going younger struber has something in mind if he gets it right on the backs of people like amaya uh, on the backs of clark or uh costas juniors we already talked about it could be a really exciting team to watch but frankly it's it's not quite there yet I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I think that 
they're going in the right direction. I mean, yes, there will be some questions asked about trading away Daniel Royer, but he is toward the, the, the worst side of 30. For the style and the system that they want to play, realistically, he's not a fit. I mean, he, he's a winger True. in a wingerless system. Yeah. Um, and Frankie Amaya on paper is a perfect fit for that diamond pressing system where you want a two-way player. Look, it could be a situation where the the system is the start. We saw it before with previous Red Bull teams where even though they had the likes of, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips and Sasha Kleshton and Dax McCarty, they were creating all of their chances off of pressure that was forcing mistakes from other teams. So you don't need a true playmaker in there because you're just pressing teams to death and then bouncing off of those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. No, I... I agree. I think that it's a it's a system that, like you said, it's not going to fit Royer, and the way that it's going definitely fits in Amaya. It definitely fits the direction there. It's just a matter of if the system works. That's going to take time to see. One thing that I really want to talk to you about as we kind of come to a close of our show, though, Chicharito. Okay, coming back to that. Obviously, got the hat trick last game. Game before that, two goals. He has five goals in 168 minutes, and I get we're two games in, right? But he's getting all the headlines right now, Golden Boot leader, especially after the year that he had last year. Everybody expected a rebound. He is giving that. But the real question is that I want to present to you, are the headlines warranted, right? Because there's so many players, and in a minute here, I'm going to list you players. But just before I do that, is, is it warranted? I mean, yes and no. He's a guy who's always going to get the headlines for better or for worse just because of the high-profile nature of who he is and the team that he plays for. Look, if you look at the goals he scored, I'd argue that none of them are particularly good. They're tap-ins, they're rebounds, one-touch finishes. Uh, it's almost Giassi Zardes-esque, right? He limit his touches, but the shot efficiency is absurd. I think um, five goals off of seven shots. Um, yeah. Like I said earlier, we talked about it last season, right? This is a guy who needs service. He's a fox in the box, not going to create his own opportunities. But now that he has the likes of Victor Vasquez, Samuel Grancier, Jorge Villafania, looks like Kevin Cabral as well. I mean, look, Vasquez was the the absolute key to that treble-winning Toronto team when he was supporting Giovinco in El Tador. And I think it just it's a total X factor. I mean, when we made the preseason predictions, uh, he hadn't even signed for the team yet. So true. And I mean, like, I I think that uh, Hernandez is going to do really well in that system. Going back to our preseason rankings, I have the I had them at the beginning of the season before we even started as like the surprise team that's going to do way better than everybody thinks. I have them finishing in the top three, even the top two. They're technically my second seed. But uh, look, here's the thing with that I have with Chicharito and, and I don't want to make too much of two games, but you know what? We said it last game. Let's overanalyze for a minute. Look at some of these other players that people before the season said, these are the guys competing for the golden boot again, right? Nobody, by the way, listed Chicharito in MLS and analysts as, as golden boot. There were some people who said, yeah, he's going to come back. Nobody had him winning it. And albeit we're far from the end of the season, but look, Diego Rossi has zero minutes played. Carlos Vela, 22, no goals. Josef, 38. Alan Polito, 58. Jossie's artist, 84 minutes played. All of them no goals, okay? Those are people that 
you expect to compete for the Golden Boot. In addition, I mean, Robert Barrick has one goal through the season through two games. Rui Diaz has two goals through two games. It's it, There's some big questions as to uh, when those players are going to come back, if they're just going to be able to run right through Hernandez and, and the record pace as he's on, or if we're putting so much attention and so much spotlight on him because, frankly, we're not seeing Josef score because he's coming back from injury. And if he was full health, is it really such a big deal that Hernandez is at five goals if Martinez is at four? I don't think so. I think we're making a bigger deal of this because the closest competition he has are people with two goals, like at Jonder Cadiz, Tati Castellanos, Julio Anderson of RSL, Mason Toy. Those are all guys with two goals so far through the season that are the closest to him. But it's because the names that we're so routinely familiar with putting up for Golden Boot are not playing that I believe he's getting the attention there. And I don't think that the attention should be there entirely because when these guys come back, that's not that impressive what he's doing. Unless it's something that he can continue doing. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he's in the conversation rightly so. Now, regardless of what's going on from an injury perspective, which, like we said, don't want to make too much of it um, because we know what Vela is capable of. We know what Joseph's capable of. Uh, I don't have any doubts over them and their quality throughout the course of a, of a single season. Same thing with Diego Rossi. Um, he has a little bit of a leg up. He has a head start, right? But let's see throughout the course of the season what happens. Uh, you know, Giussi Zardi is, is, is maybe one of the only guys that I have a, a big question over just because I do expect Columbus to go far in CCL. Yeah. And so we are going to see rotation. We are going to see players rested. He's not a guy who's hit more than 19 in his career anyway in a single season. True. So he'll be in the conversation, but I don't expect him to, to win the Golden Boot. Like we talked about it in previous podcasts, I do still think that Vela and, and Joseph are the favorites in that respect. You know, other guys, Reed is proving that he can get it done without Lodero and Morris. Robert Barrett is having a good start to the season as well. Obviously, Jordan Morris out for the, the yeah, season, yeah. who was a factor last season. But you look at somebody like Abuksa or Abu, who I expect to probably in the conversation as well. As far as some of the other guys on two goals, I mean, Yonder Cadiz looks good so far. But we know that he's probably only here until June assuming his loan either doesn't go permanent or gets extended. Yeah. Even if it does get extended, the way that Nashville play historically, I, I don't really anticipate any of their guys to be challenging for a golden boot. No. Um, I mean, Tati Castellanos with NYCFC, he's never had more than 11 goals uh, in a single season. Last year was six goals, and half of those were in a single game. He Yes, he has benefited from uh, Eber being injured, but with Thiago Andrade coming back in, I'm sure he'll probably shift wide, and he's benefited from playing in a more central position than he typically would. Um, so maybe Cecilio Domingos could be in that conversation. It's hard to say looking this at him early this on. early on. Yeah, uh, I mean, two great goals in that game against Colorado, but did kind of fade out of the picture against LAFC. And yeah. I'm not really sure who Austin's main goal scorer is going to be this season. You know, are they going to have the creative pieces to to turn um, Danny Hoosen into that guy? Is it going to come from Cecilio Domingos? I, I just, I don't know if we know yet. Yeah. 
the one guy among those two goals that probably is notable uh, is uh, Gonzalo Higuain. I mean, sitting on two goals, Miami has shown that they're good for it offensively, uh, particularly on set pieces, I would say. Obviously, they have an issue keeping them out too, but with the, the creative guys that he has around them, he probably is going to be in that maybe top four, top five conversation just based purely on quality. Um, I, you alluded to it with Julio. I mean, just kind of an unknown, right? Yeah, there it's, you know? it's, an, it's an unknown. And frankly, a lot of these guys with two goals are, are unknowns or they're flukes, right? It's just, it's so early on in the season that it's, it's hard to measure which is what I'm saying about this this Chicharito talk is that it's yeah it's two goals it's a great hat trick it's a scrappy fox in the box he's able to get the job done but it's two goals into this it's two goals into the season it's two games into the season right and so yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say how how great above he is over everybody else I mean I think conventional conventional wisdom is, is right on this one right we know who our big names are in an MLS. We know who we expect to have those consistent performances throughout the course of the season. I mean, look, Jesus Medina's on two goals. He's never had more than six in a single season. Uh, Lucas Stojanovic played two games all of last season. Two goals this season. He's he's a midfielder, so you know, unless we have some you know phenomenal one-off season, probably not going to see a, a central midfielder challenging for a golden boot. No. Uh, Mason Toy, I'm sure we'd all love to see it. I think it would be a great story. That would be the weirdest, um, weirdest thing. I, I mean, two identical goals. We know he has that particular, you know, curved shot from outside of the box in his wheelhouse. Is he going to get 20 goals a season like that? Probably not. No. I would think that he'll probably top out at maybe 8 to 10. That just seems like the kind of player he is and what you can expect from the creative tools that are in this Montreal side. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to, I want to talk to you here. Cause like, yeah, like we could say like toys got his shot or Medina's only gotten this far and the numbers speak for themselves and the patterns do tell a story. Right. But also the future, nobody knows it. Okay. But also it's, it, this is going to be a story that's proved in the games to come. So the reason I, and now for the record, I think, Chicharito does have a shot at Golden Boot. I'm not saying he doesn't. I think he actually has a pretty decent chance to win. And frankly, I think he's actually got a better chance than Vela and Martinez and, and these guys because the injuries are are going to take those guys down throughout the majority of the season. That I think it's going to give him a chance and a rejuvenated, I'm trying to prove myself for Mexico. Because remember, as weird as it may be, he's still in the conversation for Mexico, he is. They don't really have a nine going on right there. Polito is somebody else who came to MLS to make a name for himself. If Chicharito can force that call up um, and get into the Mexican national team, that's going to be the capper on the story. But he's played Miami and the New York Red Bulls. And this is not a slack on them, but this is saying that the next few games he has are against rivals in the Seattle Sounders and the Los Angeles uh, football club, LAFC. That's where I'm going to be able to tell really, okay, is this a fluke? Is he really getting better at his runs into the box? Is the service going to be consistent? That's all time. That's, that's all in the future. And so it's hard to say right now, does he compete for golden boot? Yes. Does he win? I think he has a good shot, but 
I'm not going to say anything until we're able to see him play against real rivals, real competition that is going to test him because he was left alone in the box in virtually all of his goals. That's not going to happen, or at least often, against these other teams that he's about to face. Yeah, I mean, we talked about in a previous podcast in terms of the idea that the the way that the scheduling is set up this season with more uh, intra-conference games, I, I think something like that probably favors a Joseph Martinez or maybe even looking at uh, Robert Barrich or an Adam Buxa, maybe a Casper Shiboko, because these Eastern Conference sites are playing the likes yeah. of Cincinnati, the likes of Red Bull, so many times a season, uh, that just might allow them to rack up more goals. Yeah, and I mean, that does speak to something that if Josef can get back and get the confidence and the, the legs under him that he needs, that yeah, he could go on a run well, but I really, I don't expect it from Vela. Um as much, to be honest, I think he's going to get a bunch of goals, um, but I think it's going to be a healthy competition, and it's not anything that any one player is going to run away with. Uh, there's a lot of season left to play, right? The, this golden boot race is won each game at a time, and those games begin this next week. Um, of course, we have CONCACAF going on during the week this week with the likes of Toronto, Philadelphia, playing Atlanta, uh, Columbus and, and Portland that are all in the quarterfinals but that doesn't apply to the Golden Boot Race. Golden Boot Race is just MLS. That happens again this weekend. Ivory, I just like we did last week, I want to take a second and just give a shout out to one or two games that like we're going to be watching ourselves. So Ivory, when you look at the schedule, I know there's a bunch of games to choose from. We got some good ones. Um, what is one game that you're sitting here, you're telling everybody, guys this is Ivory's game to watch. This is the one that you need to turn off your phone, order a pizza, and you'll be good to go. Yeah, I, I, one in particular that stands out to me, obviously a little bit of a homer pick, but uh, Philadelphia at home to NYCFC. Uh, they're the team that I love to hate. Uh, there's a, a bit of a history of uh, controversial calls in that game. And I think in particular, particular it'll be interesting to see uh, Philadelphia either carry some momentum from that first leg against Atlanta or look to bounce back from a, uh, a bad previous week result against Miami. Uh, so definitely one to look at. Uh, I'd also want to point out Minnesota versus Austin. Um, good opportunity for Minnesota to bounce back from a, a pretty bad start to the season, but also maybe an opportunity for Austin to pile on the misery, quite frankly. Uh, I think those are two great games to watch. I'm going to see those games. I'm going to raise you one. Obviously, I kind of hinted at this. We just had a living legend represent that club. RSL hosting their home opener against Sporting Kansas City. That game kicks off Saturday, 12 p.m. Mountain Time, because that's where I am. I'm going to be at the game, so obviously I'm going to watch that one. I guess if you're on the East Coast, that's 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, that's just going to be a great game. Two rivals that... And it's not exactly the Beckerman Benny days that we've that we've all known and loved, but this is still a real fight between two rivals that I'm excited for. And another game that I did allude to that I think everybody needs to make sure that they are watching is going to be happening Sunday night on Fox Sports Network when Seattle plays the Los Angeles Galaxy. I already talked about that one. Is Chincharito legit? Can he score against this defense? 
I mean, they are playing in a new formation in Seattle. Is that something that Greg Vanny can expose? All of those questions and a ton of exciting games ahead of us this week. We appreciate every single one of you, all of our listeners. It's been a joy doing this podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and even leave a review for us. Hopefully it's that one of those five-star reviews. You know, we're, we're, we're rocking and rolling. We just had Kyle Beckerman on the show. Things are looking way up for all of us here at the MLSDG podcast. And that would not be without you, your input. We love all of you guys. And as always, this is the MLSDG podcast for the fans, by the fans. We love you, everybody. Have a fantastic night.